Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. This series this month is about following Jesus. Say, well, that's awful basic. No, it's, it's, it's the most detailed thing that we could ever study about. It's the most important thing in all of our lives to follow Jesus. We could read about it in Luke chapter 4, or we could read about it in Matthew chapter 4, but for the sake of our reading here, I want us to start in Luke 4, verse 1, where it says that Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being 40 days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. It goes on, there are multiple temptations by the devil, and there are multiple denials by Christ. And it is our great introductory witness that when he tempts, we must deny. We must deny that great offense coming through a great defense. I want you to lift your hands and I want you to pray a very specific prayer. Would you pray this with me? I'm going to lift my own and I'm going to pray, God, help me to follow you more closely. Would you pray that? Lord Jesus, help me to follow you more closely. I want to follow you in a way that it it honors you. I want to follow you in a way that it honors my family. I want to honor you in a way that it honors the call you've put on my life. And I can't honor you unless I follow you closely. And I cannot follow you unless I see you. And I cannot see you unless I seek you. Help me to be the Christian I'm called to be. Mm. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We're going to talk about following Jesus. And I would speak again the words that I was praying I cannot follow him if I cannot see him. And I cannot see him unless I seek him. So I would start this morning by telling you about a guy, and I apologize to those who were here for our family ministries workshop yesterday. You got the precursor, if anyone is in here that was here yesterday. You'll know a little bit about this gentleman already, but I want to talk to everyone here about a guy by the name of John Dalton. John Dalton, this black and white character on the screen, from the 1800s became famous for something that would ultimately affect many more than most would understand. John Dalton was colorblind. Well, Pastor Carson, that's not that big of a deal. Tell that to someone who's colorblind. Want to have fun with someone who's colorblind? In public, ask them who picked out their shirt. Even if their wife picked it out, even if they have a machine that tells them what color it is, just ask them and ask them in a serious tone. Hey, just curious, did did you pick out your socks today? 
on more than one occasion, I've been asked this. What color are they? What color are they? You don't know? Colorblind people, it affects more than you might think. One in 12 men is affected by colorblindness. Ladies, now you know. I didn't know he was crippled. <laughs> I didn't know that he was, he was unable to match. I thought that that was just who he was. He can't see the colors. Help him out. Now, many men in here, our wives assist our clothing, and it has nothing to do with colorblindness. It's taste blindness. Doesn't seem right that one in 12 men are colorblind while only one in 200 women are colorblind, but I think it was God doing a favor for us. It has to do with the X chromosomes and the way that they're passed on and the differentiation between males and females, and it's so much easier for males to end up colorblind. But John Dalton, this individual who would become known as, as quite the chemist in his day, and uh, he would lead the charge in science for his era in his day. But he was convinced, Brother Marshall, that there was a blue ink in his eyes. And anyone like him had a blue ink. He and his brother both being colorblind. It was written into his will. And it was affirmed that when he died, although he would not get the satisfaction, he wanted his eyes to be dissected and he wanted them to prove that blue ink that was in his eyes. However, I'm thankful that he didn't get the chance to know. But when he did, in fact, pass from this life and his eyes were used for science, there was no blue ink in his eye. That's not the cause for colorblindness, Mr. Dalton. But it did. It did lead people on this journey of discovery. And it started it. It began to move forward as a result of one man who was not content to just have a problem. He wanted to understand why. And so as science unfolded and as tests were done, many of you are well aware and you will even recognize the graph that you'll see here behind me that within the I, there are three different cones, the S, the M, and the L, which simply stand for the short wavelength, the medium wavelength, and the long wavelength. One measuring the blue tones, the other the greens to the yellows, and the long wavelength, the reds. And in order for someone to see color properly, these three cones of the short, the medium, and the long, they have to work in harmony so that colors and, and the images can be fully processed together full color. Now, someone that sees in black and white, it's a different, it's the elimination. The cones are not working properly at all. But those who are colorblind, they, they cannot get these three cones to link up completely. And so you'll deal with something like this next picture where certain people can see with normal vision, the orange and the green and the yellow and the red. They, they're able to pull all of the different colors, whereas those with different levels of colorblindness, because where the cones are at, they would look at that middle set and say, look at all the yellow balloons. But they're not all yellow balloons, but... How many know perception becomes reality? Or the blue-yellow on the far side every day looks like the 4th of July, I guess. But when those cones are not lined up properly, it's not typically anything that has happened, although it can happen later in life or as the result of damage to the eye. Typically, it is something that is genetic, that you were born with. It's hereditary, the way that the X chromosomes worked into the development. You were still fearfully and wonderfully made, but the flaw is the ability to see the vibrancy of all the colors. Pastor Carson, why, why are you giving us a science lesson on these cones and colorblindness? Because I would tell you this, if we're going to really 
display Jesus well, we need to see Jesus well. If I want to really appropriately, Brother Sleva, talk to others about him, then I need to make, make sure that what I'm seeing of him is not a partial view of what he is. When I begin to worship him, I don't want to worship him based on a lesser view. Mm. Brother Vitae, you were talking about it when you got up here today during prayer, not knowing what I would be preaching about. We had not talked when you begin to talk about your daughter and you begin to talk about the hospital and the, and the way that sometimes you have to be led into a place. You did not know that my text would be when Jesus is led of the Spirit into the wilderness. But sometimes in order for the flesh, in order for the flesh of man to be able to properly see Christ as a deliverer, as a healer, as a provider, as a way maker. Sometimes I have to be led of the Spirit into places that I do not want to go in my flesh. But if I will in fact endure, and like I preached last Sunday morning, if I will hang on, then as I follow Christ, it might take me to a new level or a new dimension in my faith. I would submit to you here today that hell is in trouble when men and women of God get a clear picture of Jesus Christ. Because when we get a clear picture of who he is, when we see him in the fullness of his glory, we will not allow immediate temptation to cut our legs out from under us to destroy our ministries or our callings. But until we see him clearly, we cannot articulate him clearly. It will be hard for me to tell others that he's a provider when I have never had to learn that for myself. But how many in this room, you never asked for it, but you had to find out he was a provider. You didn't want to find out he was a way maker. You just found out he was a way maker. Sister Gallion up here testifying and talking about the promises of God and the tears that were in her eyes. I started crying when she did because I know there are some promises that she's clinging to. It'd be easier to sing the song than it would to endure the process. But how many have found that if you will endure the process? I know that since I was a child, they told me that he was good. But when I found out that he was good, when, when I was just a little kid in Sunday school, they told me that he would neither, never leave me nor forsake me. But along the journey, I walked into the wilderness and found out the devil was there. Yes, he was. But the Lord was by my side. And Went through financial hardship. And there was the enemy telling me, if God really loved you. But the Lord was there all along. And it clarified my view of the goodness of God. Hardship will do that. Trial will do that. It will put you in a place. And so I would present to you that the same way the physical eye needs those three cones to get in alignment, there are things that believers need. I would present to you the three spiritual cones of prayer, fasting, and the Word of God. Prayer, fasting, and the Word of God. I'm going to preach to me and let you listen for a minute, okay? Josh Carson, don't you say you're a believer if you're not a man of prayer. Josh Carson, don't say you're a believer if you do not spend time in that word. Josh Carson, don't say you're a believer if you refuse to fast. Don't say that you're a man of God if you will not prayer and have divine connection. Don't say you're a man of God if you don't love this word and let it guide you and give you knowledge. Don't say that you're a man of God if you won't fast in humility and denial of the flesh so that the Spirit can propel you. 
If I'm going to be a man that follows after Jesus Christ, then I'm going to have to do whatever it takes to be like Jesus Christ. To see him, I must seek him. Turn to a couple people, tell them, if you're going to see him, you've got to seek him. If I'm going to see him, I've got to seek him. Not some distant version. Don't you tell me that pulling the Grand Canyon up on Google is the same as standing at the face of it. No, no, no. Don't tell me that Niagara Falls that I preached about two weeks ago. Don't tell me it's as beautiful on YouTube. Don't tell me it's the same as going out in that boat and having on one of them things, all ponchos over your head and the mist coming down and, and you act like the captain's never been there. You better go back. And we can pretend all day long that talking about him is as good as talking to him. We can pretend all day long that playing church is as good as having church. We can pretend all day long that some YouTube version of God is good enough. But I'm telling you, if we will seek him, we can find him. And if we find him, we can see. We can see him. When I see him, I will find out that there is more to him than just the traditions than the customs. There's certainly more than the work of the flesh. So I want you to repeat after me. Pray. Fast. Read the word. Let's do it again. Pray. Fast. Read the word. Somebody said, well, pastor, there's so many other things. So many other things we need to be doing. Trust me, you do those three, the other three will come. The other three will come. If you pray, he'll fill you with his spirit. Yes, he will. If you'll seek him, you'll find him. How do you know that? Because that's the word. That's number two. Pray, fast, read the word. Pray, fast, read the word. If I get those things in alignment, then I begin to see the fullness of the Godhead. I begin to see, I begin to recognize and understand when other people will walk away from church too casually. Wait, 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 wait. I've got a different kind of alignment here working out. When other people want to be like Job's wife and tell you curse God and die, you'd say, I might would do that, but I've been praying and I've been fasting and I've been reading the word. And because I have, I have this full alignment. What do you mean God is good? Naked came I into the world and naked I will return, but blessed be the name of the Lord. I came in with nothing and I might leave with nothing, but I am going to do this. I'm going to leave knowing he's a good cop. He's a good God. He's led by the Spirit into the wilderness. I want to tell you right now, I want us to all be an understanding. Satan knows God better than we. <laughs> he knows Scripture. He knows God. And if you want to see when he got overwhelmed, you just tramps on back to Genesis 3. You get back to the beginning of the book when the Spirit of God is walking. You tell me that the devil wasn't overwhelmed when he comes up to Adam and Eve and begins to have a conversation even after the fall. What was the fall? The fall of man was when that subtle serpent, which was the devil, revealed in what book? Revelation, the 12th chapter. Revealed that that dragon, that old serpent. We're going to talk about it, preach about it here just a little bit today. But when he slithers up next to Eve and begins a conversation, where does he come into conversation and what is he after? He's after prayer, which is communication. And he begins to have a dialogue with her doing what? Challenging the word of God. If he can get in your ear and challenge the word. Because you won't feel like you can pray or be in communion with him because you can't get out of your own head. Some people that really want to have a deep prayer life can't get beyond their own. And why would I fast of that fruit when the devil says it's fine? 
Every billboard I've looked at has told me it's fine. I've said many times, and I hold fast to this, she did not enter into a sinful area when the fruit touched her lips. It's when the devil got her ear. If you, if you give him enough ear time, he'll get the mouth time. He will. Hmm, hmm. That's why we got to be careful what we allow our kids to listen to. Not apologetic about that. I'm not I don't feel like I have to apologize to my kids when I tell them we are not listening to that in this house. How could it offend? Nah, I'm going to go ahead and say it. It cannot offend their Holy Ghost and not your Holy Ghost. They're just one Holy Ghost. Okay? Well, I think that's a personal conviction. It's not. If it's unrighteous, it's unrighteous. Come on. If it's unrighteous, it's unrighteous. You want to know something scary? Every now and then, actually read the lyrics that are in the songs. Read the lyric. I was overwhelmed one time here about four or five years ago. I found out I just wanted to know what are the top songs. I was preaching at a youth event, and then I wrote up the lyrics. You never, find, you couldn't hardly understand in some of the beat and the song. Just happy. Just, just sounds good and feels good. And, and songs that you don't even know, but you know the beat and the tune. And, but Brother Devin, the power of music. And I went through and began to read some of them lyrics. And their target audience were 15 and 16-year-olds. And the entire song laced with sexual innuendo. I'm going to tell you right now, that doesn't believe or that doesn't belong in believers' lives. It doesn't belong. It doesn't belong. I don't think it belongs in our lives as adults, but it certainly doesn't belong in the lives of our children. Jesus is led of the Spirit into a place where the enemy is going to tempt him. He's going to be fasting. Fasting. Lech. Fasting. If you choose to fast Monday morning, I don't care if you never eat until 1 p.m. If you tell anybody I'm fasting tomorrow, tell your spouse I'm fasting tomorrow. You never eat anything. You drink coffee till 1 p.m. Tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. you will be the hungriest person on the face of the planet. Feel like your stomach is eating you from the inside out. Just Ladies and gentlemen, anybody that's ever gone on an extended fast, you have found out that it really is a mind over matter. And you have found that when you get a few days into it, it's shocking that you can actually do this. I see some of you right now like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not. But as you get into it, and, and I know that, that Christ was fully God, but hear me, he was fully man. Why did he need led into the spirit? He was God manifest in the flesh because he was fully flesh and fully God. And he's giving us this example and he goes in and he begins this time of fasting and begins this time of work. He, he begins to, 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 to endure the pain. We, we have this, this, not a high priest, which cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmities, but he was, he was tempted in all manner like we were. He, he endured hardship. Why? So that when we cried, he understood the cry. When we had pain so that he could understand the pain, sometimes I fear that maybe we, we, we miss that or deny that, that when you're hurting, he knows that hurt. When you get offended, he knows the start of that offense. When, when you feel upset, with, he knows the start of that. When the enemy comes to try to wear you out, he, he knows what it was like to be in the wilderness. And here comes the devil. Here comes the devil. Now, to me, it seems... Foolish and almost entertaining to consider that the devil would come to him and be, begin to enter in. But I want to take you, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. Are you okay? 
Luke chapter 10. Because I need to tell somebody here today, we are meant to have power and dominion in the Holy Ghost. We are. We're meant to be able to live above sin. Luke chapter 10, verse 17, if you will. Luke 10 and verse 17. And the 70 returned again with joy. This is what they begin to say. Lord, even, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. This is a great moment. Ethan, this is an incredible time, just incredible. And if you're one of the 70, please, I don't want us, Brother Herbs, let's not read too casually past it. This is a big moment, okay? A big moment. You're a part of this selected group. Here we come back. We're a part of this. We walk back. And we just found out when we say the name of Jesus, the deep, not just the people, the demons are like, mm. and they, here they come back as the 70 and they're like, Jesus, you're never going to believe this. It's, it's kind of the tone you read it with. Lord. Even the devils are subject. And Jesus turns on his heels and said, I beheld Satan fall. You think it shocks me that you've got power when you speak my name? I was there when I watched him fall like lightning. <laughs> You know what we need? I'm going to tell you what would give us a real revival if we'd get a fresh vision of Satan falling like lightning and recognize he's not as powerful as he says he is and we're more powerful than he tells us we are. He said, I watched him fall like lightning. Somebody shout like lightning. Where did he fall from? I kicked his carcass out of heaven. Brother Mack, and then he goes on, he says, Bo, I give unto you power to do what? Tread on, tread on what? Serpents and scorpions over what? Why does he say all? Over serpents, scorpions. I see our little Genesis reference there. Serpents, scorpions, all the power of the enemy. All the power. Because he's going to move and he's going to change and he's going to navigate and he's going to present himself at one point as the angel of light. He's going to come in all different ways and all different fashions and all different wilderness. And Jesus said, let's, set the, let's just set the record straight. All of it. I'll give you power over all of it. But notice that it was setting on the foundation of what they had articulated. They said, it's in your name. He said, it's in your name. We have so much power that even the demons back up. And he said, I watched him fall like lightning out of heaven. And I'm going to let you know something. I'll let you tread on serpents, serpents and scorpions. In fact, over everything, all of it. I'm going to give you that kind of power and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Next verse, notwithstanding. Verse 20. In this... Rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you. What? This is why we came. We wanted you to know how cool you are. Wanted everybody to hear. I'm telling you, but I want everybody to hear that the demons are subject. Jesus said, don't rejoice in this. This is normal. This is what... People that want to follow after spookiness, they'll be enthralled by that. He said, for you, that's nothing. Why should we rejoice then? Because I put your name in and I kicked him out. I kicked him out, but I'm putting your... No wonder he's mad at me. I'm going where he had... No 
wonder he hates the church. No wonder he doesn't want your family to survive. No wonder he doesn't want you to be. Brother Evan, no matter, no wonder he doesn't want our men to be strong, godly men because we're headed where he got. We're headed where he got kicked out of. You know what I want to follow Jesus to? I want to follow Jesus into heaven. I want to follow Jesus into that dominion. While I'm on earth, I want to live without fear. The only thing I want to be in fear of is fear of him, reverence of him. But I don't want to be in fear of the news. I don't want to be in fear of the enemy. I don't want to be in... I curse fear in the name of Jesus Christ and I speak liberty. I speak power. I speak authority in the name of Jesus. You don't have to be afraid of every devil up under every rock. You've got a name that's above every name. And you've got the power of the Spirit. He said, but this isn't why I want you to rejoice. I want that to be the byproduct, but I want you to rejoice because your name, woo. Anybody ever been invited to a party where your name had to be on the list? That's one of the most uncomfortable moments of life when you stand there while they look for your name. Carson? Hmm. Is that with a K? No, they never are. With a C, Carson. C-A-R-S-O-N. First thing, Josh. How do you spell that? You might not be qualified for this job. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah. Joshua, didn't you? Do you wash? It threw me. It threw me. If you get to heaven, you're not going accidentally. My life was changed as a young man when somebody told me I wouldn't accidentally back up into heaven. I'm not going to accidentally get there, and you're not either. If I make it to that place, it's going to be because I follow Jesus all the way there. I follow his word. I fast, and I pray. I fast, and I pray, and I read the word of God. And when the enemy shows up, and he says, turn these stones into bread, I'm going to do what Jesus said, and said, man, shall not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceedeth out. You can make heaven. Because when he kicked his carcass out of hell, or out of heaven in, towards hell, the Bible says that he created hell for one reason. Who knows? The devil and his angels. That's why you got to make sure when you're entertaining angels unaware that they're not fallen ones. We got to be careful what we watch, what we say, what we do. Oh, pastor, I've heard this a thousand times. Thousand one. Why? Why do you care so much? Because I want you to go to heaven. I want you to go to heaven. It's the thing that we rejoice about. And so here he comes. He, he works his way up next to Jesus. He works his way up next to Jesus and the temptation belongs or, or, or begins. And Jesus is sitting there. He's already hungry. He's already been fasting, already a little wore out. And isn't it like the devil to kick you when you're down? I will tell you this. It's no shocker that his, his temptation was to tell Christ to turn the stones into bread. Because after 40 days of fasting, if he would have turned them into bread, it would have killed him if he'd have eaten them. Because he was fully flesh. He knew the cross was ahead of him. And if I can keep him from bearing his cross, that's the enemy's real great plan in your life of temptation is anything he can do to get you not to carry your cross. That's a good word. Somebody, you taking notes, you ought to write that down. If he can get Christ not to bear his cross, then he can eliminate this whole, this whole realistic and prophetic promise of the blood of the lamb. He can eliminate this. You don't think Satan knew who he is, he is dealing with? Satan is in this interaction with Christ. Here's the beautiful thing about this, Brother Honeycutt. He could not get God to bow in heaven. He could not get any denial in Revelation 12. You can read about it. And so now he's trying the flesh side. 
Explain that to me, okay? I'm glad you asked. The devil never gets you in the middle of an altar call. You've never been here in the altar. No one fell here. It's when you walk from here and get back in the flesh. It's not when you're in the altar call in the spirit. It's not when you're bowed in your pew praying and tears are falling and you're seeking God. It's Tuesday at work when they say those words to you. The devil creeps up next to you and says, why don't you give me a little bit of an elevated position in your life? You can have the job flirt back. Okay. Doesn't happen here. Oh, God. Heaven. Everybody in this room expects God to kick him out of heaven. But the flesh side of us knows that there have been times on Tuesday. Let's just call them Tuesday moments. Tuesday moments, brother Lopez, when the enemy will sneak up next to you and wait on you to be in a low place. And the temptation doesn't even appear as temptation to the average person because all he's saying is, why don't you make these stones bread? Food isn't a big deal. No, it's not that big of a deal unless, unless the marching orders are from hell. And Oh yeah, some of you caught that, right? Unless the marching orders were punched through by Satan himself. Because your temptation is going to be different than her temptation and her temptation is going to be different than his temptation and his temptation is going to be different than their temptation because we're all across. And so while it might be stones to bread for you, it might be the certain type of music for you and it might be a certain type of environment for you and it might be a certain individual for you and the stones being made, it's just where you are in the context of your Tuesday. And God is wanting to know, do you follow me when you are alone? Will you follow my plan when the devil seems louder than I do? Can you? Oh, yes. Can you follow my plan when there is no organ and there is no bass and there is no music? Can you follow my plan when there is no ministry or lay ministry? Can you follow my plan when it's just you in the wilderness and no one will know? This gospel right here. Is proof, Brother Brown, that if I fail, it affects more than me. That's the greatest lie of the enemy, to make you think that you can walk away from the will of God and you're the only one affected. That is one of the greatest lies of the enemy. And it is reflected and on display in the life of Christ. Let's, let's travel. Revelations 12. Let's go there together. Grab your Bible. Revelation 12 really want to make sense of this, why he's so mad at you. Revelation 12, verse 7. Your pages, I love that. There was a war in heaven. Woo. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, the dragon and his angels. What happened? They prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. Boy, that's, that's pretty good preaching right there. John, what else did you see? The great dragon was cast out. Who? The great dragon, you know, that old serpent called the devil. We call, him, we call him the devil, Satan, you know. The dude who deceives the whole, what does he do? Deceive, everybody say deceiveth the whole world. Deceiveth the whole world. It is his agenda. I cannot overly stress this. His agenda is deception. His agenda, my, 
I'd have mercy. I feel so empowered right now. His agenda is deception. And the only way it doesn't work is when we realize it. Brother Turner, when I realize, wait a minute, his agenda is deception. So how do I know if the devil's lying? If he's talking. Some of you thought of people when I said that. How you know they're lying? They're talking. I'm going to tell you how you know the devil's lying to you. If he's talking to you. If he pulled up a chair next to you. We've got to get past worrying about offense when it comes to our souls being on the line. He is trying to steal, kill, and destroy. Shall we keep reading? Let's keep reading here. So his whole, his whole purpose is deception. Deceive the whole, the, whole, the whole world. The whole world. He was cast out, verse 9, into the earth. And his angels were cast out with him. A spiritual illustration that you can become guilty by association. Be careful who you fight for. Hmm. And lest anybody thinks I'm being overboard right now, I want you to know this is a spiritual battle we're in. This is a spiritual battle that we are in. And if I'm going to follow Jesus, I have to know that. I'm trying to get these spiritual cones to line up here so that we can see it clearly. I need us to see this clearly. John, what else did you see here? What did you hear? He said, I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ, his Redeemer. For why the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accursed them before our God day and night, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death, what happened? He said, I see it ahead of time. Brother Ross, I hear you. I hear you, Brother Ross. In Revelation, it's what he said. He said, I looked and I saw it and then I began to hear it because God kicked that dragon, that old serpent, the devil, Satan out of heaven. And then all of a sudden, I, I heard this loud saying, now there's salvation. Now, because once the devil gets kicked out, God can come in. Once the devil gets eliminated, the plan of God can have. You cannot have the will of God and the will of the enemy at the same time. I cannot live the will of the father and the will of the devil at the same. But when I invoke that name, Need to say this. When I invoke that name, what, what happens when you sing, Brother Zach, and sing the name Jesus? God forbid we ever get to a place that we sing it without recognizing what it's doing. Because the 70 walked back and said, all we do is say your name. We say your name and the demons. So what happens in a church service? Not where one or two or three, because the Bible gives us that affirmation that in two or three and not just in 70, because I've been in churches where we would have loved to have 70. But what happens when hundreds of people begin to say, Jesus, 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 in the name of Jesus. What happens when we have prayer meetings where we bring needs and situations and we say in the name of Jesus. The enemy does not cower from heaven. He's been kicked down to earth in a temporary residence with hell reserved for him. Hell when we say Jesus, I'm going to tell you what we do. We reinforce the fall like lightning. 
We reinforce the dismissal of him and his angels from glory. We get in kingdom alignment with heaven when we begin to say, there is no God like our God. There is no name like the name of Jesus. Beside him, there is no other. When we begin to say there is one Lord, there is one faith, there is If we really understand, it would get those things in alignment and we begin to recognize he really is Lord of all. Beside him, there is no other. How many remember the prophetic promise of Isaiah? For unto us and what? Keep quoting. His name shall be called. Woo! Counts, Mike. Wait, say it again. Say that again. Say that again. One more time. If you don't think that hell went to panic when the prophet Isaiah said, The mighty God is coming to earth. The mighty God. I know that hell, you think that you've got dominion here, but his name shall be called Wonderful. His name will be Counselor. He'll be the mighty, the mighty God. Stand with me. Ah! So don't get mad at me if I'm excited about it. When I recognize I get to follow Jesus. And when I follow Jesus. Listen, hear me now. Following Jesus does not mean you will go without temptation. If he can have the audacity to sneak up next to Christ and start talking. I just don't know why the devil is talking to me. You're probably doing good. I'm more concerned about people that never endure it. You're not even worth tempting. <laughs> Rejoice not against me, oh my enemy. I'm not saying you're going to be perfect. You might even stumble from time to time. But if you get a get up, I can't follow unless I get up. I can't, I can't move unless I, but I'm about following Jesus. So somebody hear me today as I conclude. Sometimes you got to follow Jesus into the wilderness. Sometimes you have to follow him into the wilderness. Please hear me though. Don't volunteer for the wilderness. Volunteering, volunteering for the wilderness does not make you powerful. We have to be careful that we don't try to I want the wilderness to get me glory. I want everybody to know that I went on a fast. Nope, false. Don't do it. I prayed for three hours, but I'm going to tell everybody. You don't invite yourself into the wilderness, but sometimes the Spirit leads. I've had to walk, haven't we had to walk into some hospital I had to walk into some hospital visits. All I was trying to do was follow the Spirit. But I found there were times in hospital rooms that I, I learned things about Christ I never would have found out without. I found in times of wilderness when it was overwhelming and I didn't want to be there and the devil had the audacity to pull up a seat next to me sitting there at the card table of my life and sit there in the wilderness and I'm trying to follow God and I'm trying to seek him and all he keeps doing is telling me to cash in on what I... But the example of Christ is you can resist the devil. I've had people tell me, I don't think I can. And I've had to look them back in the face over and over and over and tell them without God, probably not. But with God, you can. With men, it might be impossible. But... Oh God, oh God.
I need you to lift your hands with me. Oh. When I hit a pocket like this in the spirit, I feel almost just so overwhelmed. We're in a place. I want them to just play. We're not even going to sing for a minute. Just, I want everybody in the room to begin to pray and begin to cultivate the atmosphere. Jesus. Hallelujah. I need somebody, somebody just to begin to tell him, I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to follow you, Jesus. Somebody that the enemy's been lying to you, telling you to give up or to give in. Let me say this, and then I want to, I want to call for the altar. The Bible says in Luke, read it. It'd be a great homework assignment. Just read, read through the rest of Luke 4. The introduction here is that Jesus is led into the wilderness. It was, Sister Galgan, it was a spiritual thing. It was a leading. It was an intentional time. It's intentional. It's intentional. And it seemed overwhelming, but it was... It was God ordained and it, life was tough, but, but, but it was God ordained. But here's the most amazing thing. If you read through that chapter, you, you just start, start reading through. You get, get, get just about 14 verses down and he comes out of the wilderness and it says he's led by the Spirit into Galilee. So many in this room right now, you were led by the Spirit and you got into the wilderness. But the most important thing that will be spoken is whether or not you're led by the Spirit out. You hear me when I tell you the wilderness is not forever. That's not some blab it and grab it, sloppy agape statement. I'm telling you right now, it was not forever for him and it's not forever for you. He led you and you've been in this place, but many of you, it's time for you to begin to recognize the Spirit's ready to lead you out of the wilderness because there are works to do beyond. There are works to do beyond the wilderness. <laughs> 